Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, everything around me shaking. I've never been more glad I put my faith in Jesus.
himself. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't.
You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And the light of the world is for everyone. Well, good morning and welcome to First Christian Church. We are so happy you're here with us, whether that is in person or online. And we are so excited that you guys could be with us as we're in this series called Be a Light. And I am so excited to see what God does through this church and in this community as we take on this challenge to be a light. Now, if you guys are new with us, then welcome. If you, <clears throat> if you haven't been in a while, then to catch you up a little bit, what we've been talking about through this series is that we live in a world that is filled with darkness. Whether that's spiritual or mental or emotional, we live in a world that is filled with darkness and you can see it all around us. Whether that's <clears throat> what's happening in Ukraine, whether that's the divisions that are happening in our own country, whether that's what you see on social media, or the effects that COVID has had, um, or maybe it's in your own personal life or in your own family, but we can see that we live in a world of darkness. And what we've been talking about is that what we see in Scripture is that Jesus tells us that He is the light of the world that we so desperately need. The light that came into a dark world to give light and life. But then also we see that Jesus calls us to be the light of the world. And this term, be a light, sometimes to me it kind of seems like one of those out there Christian terms that people just use as a synonym for be a good person. But what we're wrestling with in the series is what does it truly mean and what does it practically look like, look like to be a light? And so Stuart has given us this challenge that I hope we really take serious, to pray that God would reveal five people in our own lives that need the light of Christ. And not only that, but to invest in their lives. And then go a step further to invite them. To invite them to, to come to a Sunday morning or invite them to, to watch online, or uh, to be a part of an event that we have, or um, to be a part of Grace Marriage, or a small group, or part of our, our uh, Kid Town Ministries, or Elevate Ministries, or wherever, but to, to invite. And we've talked about uh, the story of Matthew, and how Matthew invited his friends, his close, his close friends, to come to this party so they could meet Jesus. And then we also took a, a, a look last week at the story, the parable of the Great Banquet, and now Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like this party that we're all invited to and that we should invite our friends to, people around us and in our circles. And so we're continuing today the, on the discussion of what it means to be a light. So for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Taylor Gilpin, and I'm the student minister here at First Christian Church. Uh, I'm the one who sugars your middle schoolers up with yoo-hoo and, and uh, donuts and sends them back to you. And uh, we, uh, we play games where we eat party packs of Taco Bell, and we send the, the kids home with stomach aches. Uh, and then we also go on road trips where the bus breaks down, although I hope that last one's not a tradition. Um, but the other week, we were discussing this series with the high schoolers, and we were talking about the importance of light and how much we, we really need light to live. And I shared with them the story of when I was in college. It was in between my freshman and sophomore year, and me and my friends decided that we were going to go on this caving expedition. 
And so I had never been before. My friends had been, but I had no clue what, we were, what I was getting myself into. And so they came and picked me up at 1130 at night, partly because the place we were going wasn't really a place we were allowed to go. Uh, but I didn't tell my parents that. And they came and picked me up at 1130, and we go to this, um, to this church. We park at this church, and uh, you go into this drainage pipe. And you, once you go through the drainage pipe, it opens up into this cave. And so it's a pretty big cave, and you're walking through it, and you don't really need to duck. Like, it's, it's pretty big. But then the farther and farther you get into this cave, you know, the passageway gets a little bit smaller. And soon you're having to duck and then squat, and you're kind of having to go side by side in between some rocks. And then it gets to the point where you go farther in that you're on your belly, you're crawling through the cave. And then as you get farther in, you're to the point where your arms have to be at your side, and you're using your feet to just push off the rock wall to get through. And some of you guys, that probably sounds like a nightmare, right? Uh, but we get farther into the cave, and it opens back up. And so we're taking a little bit of a break, and one of my friends says, hey, let's just sit in the darkness. Let's turn off our headlamps and just sit in the darkness for a little bit. And so we did, and we shut off our headlamps. And when I tell you that was the darkest darkness I have ever experienced, I mean, it was pitch black. You couldn't see a single thing. You could put your finger up to your eye. You couldn't see it. You couldn't see any, cr- any light just like seeping through the cracks. Nothing. It was pitch black. And it was in that moment I realized how important light was. That we needed light in order to survive. If our headlamps went out, then we were stuck in there. And I don't know why it was just at this moment, but it was just then that I thought to myself, wait, what happens if our headlamps go out? And I was like, did anyone bring any extra batteries? And then I was thinking, okay, how much longer till we get out of here? And I began to panic a little bit. But it was in that moment I realized the importance of light. And to finish the story, we get out of the cave around four in the morning and we're at a different part. So we have to walk back like a mile to our car. And by this time it's about 4.30 and I get to the car and get on my phone and there's about 12 missed calls from a pretty upset and worried mama. And she, she was a little worried, but we made it. We were safe. But it was in that moment that I learned truly how important life or light was for life. It's crucial to survive. We need light. And so... Again, going back to what we talked about a second ago, we live in a world that is full of darkness. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, we live in a world that is dark, but how do we escape it? What is our source of light? Well, as we talked about, and we've been talking about throughout the last couple of weeks, Jesus says in John 8, 12, that he is the light of the world that we so desperately need. And then he also says in Matthew 5, 14, that you and I are the light of the world. In this world of hurt and pain and brokenness, that's where you and I come in. It's our job to take the light of the world and let it shine. You know, this little light of ours, let, you know, let it shine, that old song, how it used to go. That's what our job is, to let our light shine so that other, others may know Christ. There's a passage that I used to just wrestle with when I was younger, and it's John 16, 7. And Jesus was talking with his disciples, and he says this. He says, but very truly I tell you, It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come, come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so I used to read this passage when I was younger, and I used to think, Jesus, why would it be good that you would go away? Why couldn't you have stayed here? Why couldn't you have been the light for everyone to see? But what Jesus was saying in that passage is that once he goes away, he will send his spirit, his presence to be with all his believers to take the light into the darkest parts of the world that we would be the light, that, that, that we would take it everywhere. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, he was still fully human. He could only be in one place at one time. But 
He's saying once he ascends to heaven, his spirit will be with all his believers so that we take the light of the world into the darkest parts of the world. That we would take his presence to others so that they may know the light of Jesus. I want to tell you about one of my first weeks here in E-Town. So I was at home relaxing in my lazy boy watching some TV, and I got a little hungry, and so I went to the the, uh, fridge to get a snack and realized it was empty. And so I went to the gas station to get some snacks and drinks. And yes, this is what life was like before I was married. Uh, it, was, it was gas station runs to get uh, snacks and candy bars and bags of chips. And then I go back to my apartment with my two lazy boys and futon. And, and quick side note, no one ever told me that once I got married, I got married back in July, no one ever told me that once you get married, your whole apartment changes. Like all the decor, everything changes. I got back from middle school camp, and uh, Sydney and I were about ready to get married, and while I was at middle school camp, she moved her stuff in, and I get back, and one of my lazy boys was thrown away, my futon was moved upstairs, my flags and posters were taken off the wall, and all new decor was put up. Like, no one ever told me that, but I got sidetracked, sorry. (laughs) So I was on my way to the gas station to get my my normal gas station snack run, get some, some drinks and chips, and I went up to the register, and just started talking with the guy at the register, and we began talking about life, and we talked about, you know, things like water and important things that we need to live. And it was at that moment that I felt like God was nudging me to share my faith with him. Now, I don't always have those moments in every conversation, but I felt like this was a time we were talking about life and things that we need to live and and the importance of things like that, and I felt like God was kind of opening this door and saying, okay, here you go. It's time for you to have this conversation. But in my mind, I was like, no, God, I, I can't. I don't know how to transition this to faith. What if I say something wrong? When's the right time? You know, what if I I sound like some weirdo? And so I left. I I left the gas station and got back into my car, and it was on the way back to to my apartment that I felt so convicted. Like, that was a time that I knew God really wanted me to have a conversation with this guy, to share my faith with him. But I was nervous, and I didn't know what to say. But I was so convicted, I felt like I needed to, so I turned back around Went back into the gas station, got some more waters, and he was like, wow, that was, that was quick. And I started talking to him again, and then I kind of just ended by saying, yeah, I need, I need water like I need Jesus in my life, and walked away, and it was, it was really awkward. And I got back to the car, and I was like, why, why couldn't I have done that earlier? Like, why couldn't I have had this talk with him about my faith? And I was like, I wish I was more bold and open when it comes to talking about faith. And, and I think we all have times like that where we sort of freak out in moments like this. Like if we're being 100% honest, sometimes when it comes to sharing faith or being open about it, we get a little nervous. And I know if I'm being honest, I sometimes struggle with wanting people to like me or wanting people to look, you know, see me in a certain way. And so I, I get a little nervous about, you know, when's the right opportunity to bring it up? How do I say the right words? And how do I not look weird when sharing my faith? And, and it can be hard. I don't, I don't know, is anyone else in that boat? Or maybe, maybe it's just me. But what I want to do today is there's a passage I want to go through with you guys that gives me some hope and encouragement when it comes to times like these, when I'm trying to be a light. And I think it'll do the same for all of us. So we're going to take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. But before we get into that, few people in history have been more effective at being a light than the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, was one who led thousands to know Jesus was one who planted tons of churches, who wrote most of the New Testament. But even the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, felt weak and inadequate inadequate at times like this. 
And so what we're going to read is this, this, this passage in Corinthians, and Paul is writing to these young new believers who were having a hard time standing out and being bold for, in their faith and not blending in to the world. And so here's what we see in that passage. Verse 1, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. So this passage right here alone, verse 1, gives me some hope and encouragement. The great apostle Paul, this highly trained intellectual, says, when I'm trying to be a light, I, I use simple words and simple speech. It's not with eloquence and human wisdom. It's with, with simple speech. And then going on in verse 2, it says this, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul is saying this, this is the message. This is all that it has to be. It's not that complicated. It's the message about Jesus coming to earth to be with us, to die on the cross for our sins and make a payment that we can never pay on our own. That's all we have to share with people. That's the message. And then in, in verse 3, it goes on to say this. Paul says, I came to you in weakness with great, everyone say these next two words with me, fear and trembling. The great apostle Paul felt weak and inadequate and, and was filled with fear and trembling. Again, this passage gives me some hope. It gives me some encouragement that the man who led thousands to Jesus, the man who planted churches, who, who wrote most of the New Testament, felt weak and inadequate and was filled with fear and trembling in times like these. You know, like I said, we often worry about saying the right thing or waiting for the right opportunity or not wanting to offend people or lose a friend or, or you know, not trying to look weird. But what did Paul do when he felt those moments of, of weakness and fear and, and being afraid? Let's see what verse 4 and 5 says. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with what? A demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul is saying, I talk simple. I talk plainly. It's not with, it's not with human eloquence or wisdom, but it's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I speak with God's spirit in me to, he, to use words I couldn't use on my own or to say things I could not say on my own. I, I need, I rely on God's spirit within me. And guys, what I want you to know is you and I are never alone in these conversations, in these times of trying to be a light. God's spirit, his power, his presence lives within us and enables us to speak boldly, to love intentionally, to invite people, to share our faith. I depend on, on his power, on his spirit, on his presence to be with me every time I come and speak on this stage or I talk to the students or I, I share my faith with someone. And I want to share another time recently I had an opportunity to share my faith with someone. And this time it was a little different. And so Sydney and I uh, just a few months ago got to hang out with her side of the family in North Carolina uh, in December right before Christmas. And it was a Saturday and I had to fly back separately on Saturday so I could be back in time for Sunday church. And so she took me to the airport at Raleigh and I had a, my flight out of Raleigh to New York and then to Louisville, which in my mind, I was like, why do I have to go all the way to New York City to get to Louisville? 
But that was what happened. It was a connecting flight up there, and we landed at the airport, and my flight was on. It came in on one end of the terminal, and I had to get, my next flight was on a separate terminal on the other side of the airport, and I had to get there and run there to get in time to my next flight. And I made it just in time, uh, but I got on the flight, and I, I sat down, and sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm kind of like, you know, please don't talk to me. Let me put in my headphones. Let me listen to music and, and read a book or something like that. But this guy sat down next to me, and he was about my age, and I felt, again, felt the nudge from God. I felt the nudge saying, you need to have a conversation with him. This is someone you need to share your faith with. And again, I don't have that with, you know, every person I talk to, but it was clear that I, I knew God wanted me to share my faith with him. And so I, I, I started the conversation with him, but first I did something a little different. This time I prayed. I prayed, God, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me the ability to say what I need to say? Would you give me the words? Would you give me the boldness and the courage? And so I prayed, and then I started the conversation and introduced myself and found out that he was a, a jewelry maker who was in New York City working on a project with someone. He was on his way back to, to Louisville. And then he asked me what I did. And again, I prayed that God would, you know, he would lead me and his spirit would lead me and give me the words to say because I knew he wasn't a Christian. And sometimes when you tell people you're a pastor, you never know what the response may be. And so I told him I was a youth pastor, and he was like, that's cool. And then he asked me, what do you do and, and why do you do it? And I told him, well, I essentially get to invest in the lives of students, and I get to hang out with them and, and play games and go to their sporting events or, or whatever, and I get to tell them about Jesus. And then I said, I do that because I believe that we live in a world that is full of brokenness and hurt and pain and darkness, and I believe that Jesus is the cure for that. And to my surprise, he was like, that's awesome. And then the conversation continued, and, and we talked about everything from Jesus and faith to life and hobbies, and the conversation started on the plane, and we kept talking all the way to the time the plane landed, to the time we got off the plane and got our stuff, to the time that we were waiting for our rides, and then we gave each other a, a hug goodbye, and we, we still have each other's number. And that conversation happened because of God's Spirit within me. I could not have done it on my own. I, I felt, you know, nervous about what to say or how to, you know, how to talk about faith, how to bring it up. And then I was like, I don't really want to have a conversation right now. But I leaned into God's spirit. And I believe what we see in scripture is that the Christian life is one of boldness and one of courage and one of stepping out of our comfort zone. But it's one that needs God's spirit living within us. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us to be more bold to help us to share our faith, to help us to have the courage to step out of our comfort zone. As Paul says, it's, it's not on our own ability or wisdom. It's, it's relying on God's spirit to be with us. It's a must. It's essential that we depend on the spirit to love intentionally and to invite boldly and to share our faith. And, and, and the thing is that God's spirit is truly with those who believe in him and who follow him. I love in Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John are questioned and they're taken before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin is basically this council of elders and religious leaders who are really smart and wise when it comes to knowing scripture. And they, they bring them before this group and they question them. And I love the, the response from the Sanhedrin. And it's found in Acts chapter 4 verse 13. And we'll read it real quick. It says this, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Again, this passage gives me some hope and encouragement that Peter and John, these great apostles, were 
unschooled, ordinary men, yet they had courage. And they were able to dispute with this, this group of, of, of elders and councilmen. And it's because the Spirit was with them. I love that it says they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The courage, the boldness, the strength comes from a relationship with Jesus. And it comes from a reliance on his Holy Spirit within us. I am not someone who can just naturally make every conversation and turn it spiritual. And I'm not someone who can just talk about things like faith with all confidence and calmness. I often at times feel like Paul where I feel weak and inadequate. And I'm filled with fear and trembling. But that's why I, I know I need to rely on the Holy Spirit to share others, share with others the truth. I love what happens following this passage in Acts chapter 4. In verses 29 through 31, we see this. The disciples pray together, and this is their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Guys, any amazing thing, any revival, any miracle that happens in Scripture almost always begins with prayer. Whether it's Pentecost, whether it's Elijah on Mount Carmel, whether it's Daniel after prayer was banned, almost any amazing thing that we see in Scripture happens, it starts with prayer. And I believe the same is true today. That if we want to see God do amazing things in our church, and if we want to see God do miraculous things in, in Elizabethtown and Hardin County and in the state of Kentucky, if we want to see him change our families and our lives, if we want to be used as a light, then it starts with prayer. And I, I believe um, it's true what Stuart was talking about last week. I think we often underestimate the power of prayer. There's a, a author by the name of Mark Batterson who wrote this book called The Circle Maker. And in it, there's this quote, and it says this. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, then they're insulting to God. So church, why not pray boldly? Why not go before God's throne with confidence and boldness that he may fill us with his spirit and enable us to speak with boldness and to speak with truth and to speak with love and grace and to share our faith with others and invite people to come and experience the light of Jesus. Because people need someone who will be bold enough to step out of their comfort zone and share their faith with them. Who in here has ever played the game hide and seek before? We all have, right? What's the object of the game? To not be found, right? But did you ever not really want to be found? You know, it's like 10 years later, they still haven't found me. No. After like 10 minutes of, of hiding, what did you do? You did a, do a little, <clears throat> or whoop, or you might stick a foot out or stick a hand out, and then they find you and you're like, oh man, you got me. Well, guys, I believe that there are are people in our relational world who give the impression that they don't want to be found. But I believe if you look close enough, you can see a hand sticking out, or you can see a foot sticking out, or you can hear a faint cry of, I need something more. I need a God who loves me. I need a God who, who cares about me. 
And they may not use the exact words, but they need the light of Christ in their life. And the person they need is you. Church, we're told by Jesus that we are the light of the world. And the world desperately needs light. We live in a world that is full of darkness. And God created you specifically for a reason, to reach people who can only be reached by someone like you. So why not go before God's throne with confidence and boldness? Because it's going to take boldness. It's going to take courage. It's going to take us stepping out of our comfort zone, but it's going to take his spirit living within us and enabling us to do that. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. I want to end by doing something a little different this morning. What I want to do is I want to spend the next minute or so, everyone in your seat individually, praying that God may fill you with his spirit. That he may enable you to speak boldly, to speak God's truth with love and grace, and to invite those who need to know the light of Christ. And I believe it can be like Acts chapter 4 where We all pray together, and the place that we're meeting is shaken, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I want to do. The next minute or so, in your seat, pray on your own and ask God to fill you with the Spirit so that you may be able to do what you could never do on your own. So take the next minute or so and pray, and then I'll close this in prayer. God, I thank you for prayer, and I thank you for the relationship we get to have with you. God, I thank you for that we have, as Scripture says, the confidence to be to come before your throne and ask anything. And God, we ask right now that you would fill us with your spirit. God, because we know in order to share our faith, in order to step out of our comfort zone, it's going to take boldness, it's going to take courage, but it's going to take your spirit living within us. God, we need you. We can't live without you. So I pray for another Acts 4, chapter 4, where we pray for your spirit to fill us and the place that we are meeting is shaken and that we're all filled with the spirit so that we may have boldness and courage to share our faith and to invite others to know you. Lord, help us to be a light. Use us to be a light so that others may see you. But we know in order to, for a light to work that we got to be plugged into the source. We need to be plugged into you and we need to be full of your Holy Spirit so that we may love others better that we may share and be bold about you and about who you are and about how much you love us. God, we desperately need you, so fill this place up and let us experience your presence and let it change us forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll be up front. If if there's anyone who would like to know Christ or, or be a part of what is going on here at First Christian Church or if anyone has any questions, um, we'll be up front. There'll be some people who uh, will be able to, to help you there to take, take care of you. But if you guys would go ahead and stand um, and worship.
And I 